Here's an intro song for a movie podcast. Some are pretty good, but we'll just suck ass. One, two, three, four, four, three, two, one. Watch with us, we're Cinema Bonds. Let's go! Alright. Hello and welcome back. This is Cinema Buns. I'm Ritter. I'm Mike. Kevin. This is and the first time we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Get that closer. I need that. <laughs> this this week we're talking about a movie uh, recently released on um, Netflix called The Five Bloods. A Spike Lee joint. Yes. And it is definitely a commentary on current events in uh, the U.S. Um, I'm going to try to release this as close to the day we're recording it as possible to try to make it not get dated (laughs) but um as of right now the black lives matter movement is in full swing um due to the deaths of george floyd and brianna taylor at the hands of police officers uh there have been protests across the country in major cities asking for police reform and uh government spending to be spent in a smarter way to try to uh adjust and reform the justice system as it is now um, this movie talks about black Americans and their struggles throughout history mm-hmm. and, uh, what they're going through in general. Granted. Yeah. It's like not to like kind of downplay the entire situation, but like, this is every Spike Lee movie, um, from like kind of my experience, it always has like kind of the same message and like, it's not a bad thing because, uh, everyone, um, has like, they they feel like they have to have like a person a purpose or like there are they can be champions of certain things like um you know how mlk was his entire life was fighting racism um and so and in that sense spike lee makes anti-racism movies yeah like that's his thing just like jackie chan makes kung fu movies <laughs> not to inappropriately compare yeah these two <laughs> these two things now, we also <laughs> want to clarify something. Mike, yep. you might be talking less and or have different viewpoints on this movie. Because you're racist. <laughs> oh, God. You no. want to explain why? So, I thought we were watching this movie together, and so I didn't read the text correctly. So, it's absolutely my fault. Don't get me wrong. But I thought we were watching them together, but I guess we were watching them separately for homework, and I didn't do that. <laughs> I came across it on accident while watching YouTube videos over the last week. So I kind of have a rough idea of what it's about. Luckily, I have Kevin notes to like kind of guide me most of it. But <laughs> I'm probably... film notes you could possibly have. Yeah, the absolute top dog like kind of notes. But um, I'll probably be talking the least amount only because my information is very shoddy and i don't know what's actually in it and what's not in it compared to what i watched so <laughs> fair I, enough so well, we can well i'll uh, keep my comments you can, probably... you can still make comments because the main um message in this movie is very blunt <laughs> very in your face about it i mean like if so, there are any scenes that you recognize feel free to like speak well that's about. what i'm saying like there is a one scene but when we get to it i'll talk about it uh-huh. but uh i think do you want to just start with is it worth a watch see that's where it's tough this is like most spike lee movies it talks about 
the black American struggle in America. And this movie is all about black empowerment. It go it talks about the struggles that black soldiers and Americans have gone through throughout the years, but it also talks about strong black heroes. And <laughs> yes. It it does. It talks about pillars in the black community yeah. who have shown themselves to be heroes for standing up mm-hmm. and fighting for their rights. Uh, they mention one woman. I, I am so sorry. I cannot remember her name off the top of my head. They, not it's not name. on the notes. Oh, okay. Uh, they talk about one woman who fought racism and was killed for it. They talk about an athlete from a college called Morehouse. Yeah. That uh, set a record for hurdles because he trained so hard to do it, and he was the top athlete in that competition. One of the first uh, black people shot in the Boston Massacre. (laughs) Yeah. They also talk about MLK pretty strongly at the end. Um, But this movie is primarily about four Vietnam veterans. They are traveling back to Vietnam Mm -hmm. because them and their fifth dead comrade during the Vietnam War had found gold and decided to bury it so they could come back in the future to retrieve it. Because the the fifth member is played by Chadwick Boseman yes. because the fifth member died during the war. Yeah. And he essentially acts like the, I wouldn't say prophet, but definitely the spokesperson <laughs> for uh, their cause. And he's, their a, he's their, yeah, he's a moral focal point and gives the team direction because like, um, through the, their friends, uh, discussions, um, they talk about how when they were drafted into Vietnam, they were like kind of directionless and, uh, at some points like just didn't want to fight or do anything, but like Chadwick Boseman, his, uh, character name is Storm and Norman, Norm was uh, such a strong character and gave them purpose uh, and uh, kind of like empowered them to stay alive, especially in this war so that you can come home and change America. Yeah. And then they they open up this movie with some pretty gruesome images. They, they Yeah, show... I wasn't expecting a snuff film, but... Yeah, no. They... So they showed a, a, some famous photos, and I only saw them as photos. So uh, a lot oh, of... Oh, you never saw the videos behind the photos? No, I mean, like, you... Yeah, I've I've only seen the photos. Uh, like there's a famous uh Vietnam photo of, um, the person about get to get shot in the head. Uh, that one's pretty famous. There are like people buried, naked women and children running from a village that just oh, got napalmed. napalmed. Yeah. And oh, I, I remember that orange photo. And, shit. and something that this so something that's interesting about this movie is it mentions the atrocities and like the bad stuff that we did to the Vietnamese during the war, Mm -hmm. but it only mentions it. Mm -hmm. That's all it wants to do. It wants to focus primarily on the African American and black soldiers and their struggles. So I think that was something interesting. I felt like Spike Lee could have used that as a way to show that even yes, African-Americans have had a lot of struggles throughout all of history, but he could have also used that as a way to say, you know what? Other people have also had intense (laughs) 
obstacles and atrocities happen to them as well. And that suffering is a universal language and it should be something we should all achieve. Uh, we should all strive to get rid of, but nope. <laughs> oh, he's only focusing on uh, the main characters. So this, uh, so it starts out with like all of the real life footage. Um, and I think like there are just clips of them. Okay. Talking. I don't remember. It, it yeah it's basically just it's a montage it's a montage in the beginning um and showing how fucked up the vietnam war was it's uh and... there like it's a it's a weird spike lee thing where uh there are certain parts of the movie that he shows actual like news footage or actual like real life footage interspersed with scenes of the movie and you never know which one's real or not um but so yes sets the tone with people getting killed on screen um which uh, is a hard watch to a lot of people. So, like, straight off the bat, I would not recommend if you don't like watching someone fucking die, yeah. a fucking real-life person die in front of your eyes. And, like, just so you know, <clears throat> this footage isn't touched up. Yeah. It's real footage. So you're really gonna watch someone die. And, like, um, some dismembered uh, bodies. It's rough. Maimed so you people. just you need to be ready for that. Vietnam sucks! Yeah. <laughs> um... Not the country, the war. The war. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hold on. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of pho. Um, but uh, so yes, that's the tone. What's the very next scene? It's fucking uh, Melvin and uh, Eddie hamming it up at uh, a Vietnamese hotel. Yeah, uh, yeah, at a hotel. They're like, "Hey, what's up, blood? What's up, blood?" And they're like high fiving, and uh, they introduce their uh signature blood, blood, blood handshake blood handshake and then paul and oda show up and it's like this starts off as like um uh what's that what's that morgan freeman uh old guy party movie bucket list no that no there's something else that's like that that a lot of them came out in the past few years it's fucking weird i blame bad grandpa um, <laughs> are you talking about the one where they rob the bank no i don't think so i don't remember i don't watch any of these but yes it turns it turns out this movie is a old guy party movie or rather an old guy that's what it's trip. introduced as yeah, yeah it's it's kind of it it's mo i feel like that's what it mostly is though but um yeah so that that's where it kind of creates this weird uh tonal dissonance that is not my fo most favorite Spike Lee thing. It changes what it wants to be throughout the movie. It is a drama. That is essentially what it is. But it goes back and forth from being a comedy to being a road trip movie to being... to being a road trip movie to being a comedy to being a drama. It's pretty inconsistent with its tone. And... Uh, Eventually, you're introduced to Norman, finally, and he's basically, like Kevin said, giving them direction, and he's the one that gives them the nickname to Five Bloods, mm -hmm. because they call anyone who was black and in the military Bloods, mm -hmm. so that's like blood-on-blood blood violence is black-on-black black violence yeah. in, for them, and they get a uh, navigator, and they go out into the woods... Wait, well, hold on. Actually, before that, oh. you're introduced to kind of their stories with each one of them. Uh, you're introduced to, let's see. Uh, so Melvin Paul. and Eddie. Melvin and Eddie are the first ones introduced. And Eddie is the the rich guy. So one of his first things that he does is offers to pay uh, Paul's like um, hotel room. 
And Paul's like, nah, man, I got my own money. And like Eddie is like flaunting his cash and he's like uh, trying to use his credit card to like pay for everything. And he and he's like, he actually just financed, he did finance the trip. But Paul was really adamant about paying for his own um, uh, hotel room. Uh, Melvin, uh, I have no idea what his character is. <laughs> because like, he's just like the old, he's one of the old dudes. Yeah, he's just a, he's nice, like a nice, nice guy. dude. Yeah, because like when you're watching this movie... You basically just follow Paul and Otis. They're like the main people in yeah. this group, and then uh, oh, David, uh, Paul's son. Yeah, David's also there. Um, he joins in, and he there are they are more of a character than Eddie and Melvin, except for um, like some point in the middle, Eddie turns into a character, and then later on in the movie, Melvin he turns stops into, becoming a character. Melvin turns into a character and stops being becoming a character. But, like, that's kind of just one of the weird shit that, I don't know, Spike Lee does. Um, I feel like I should also preface this by saying, like, I, I'm i not a Spike Lee hater. I love Black Klansman, and uh, I think that his style and his satirical, uh, like, tone was what made that movie, like, kind of super creative and original. Mm -hmm. But, um making other movies that use different subject matter in that same style just doesn't like work i don't at least for me um i think a general i think a general thing that i would like to say is that this movie is definitely where spike lee wanted the message and the uh moral that he wanted to come through as his main priority mm -hmm. the plot was secondary to the message I, and I think that's kind of what, uh, like a bit of a problem that he has with his movies. That yeah. His, his uh, thesis statement is more important than the actual writing of the movie. Because like, there are several moments of this movie that where I was like, this is so kind of like student film-ish. <laughs> it's a, like, very blunt and ham-fisted. And like, yeah. of course, one of the, Paul, who's one of the soldiers... He's a Trump supporter. Yeah, so he's and got the MAGA hat. Um, and He's supposed to be the moral foil to... Otis. Them, yeah, to Otis and to the message of the movie. And he's got PTSD. He's very xenophobic mm -hmm. and very just, we should only be looking out for ourselves and our fellow bloods. And like, I, I like brought this up when I was watching the movie is like, if uh, Paul feels this way and also they all kind of like have PTSD against Vietnam, what are they all doing here vacationing in Ho Chi Minh? Yeah. And I was like, what are... Because, like, they, I, like, Paul is super racist against um, some of the Vietnamese people. Um, but he's, like, you know, trying to hide it and trying to, trying to stay tolerant. But Now, I will say this. Uh -huh. In one of the scenes, though, I do not blame him for popping off. Uh -huh. So there's this one scene near the middle of the movie where they're on a boat. And this one Vietnamese, like, vendor is like, hey, you want to buy a chicken? He's yeah. like, no, no, no. And he's saying no in English and then in Vietnamese. Like, he's trying to communicate with them. He's like, no, I don't want any. Guy keeps bugging him. No, please. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. No disrespect. I don't want it. Yeah. No, but what about this one? Dude, I don't want it. Please stop. Please go away. I don't want it. And then Please, I haven't sold any chickens all day. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I haven't sold any. And then he touches them with it. And he's like, okay, listen, motherfucker. I don't want it. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're going off. And then, like... The vendor is like, you you killed my mother and my father and like going off on that because 
U.S. soldiers did brutalize the people of Vietnam. And, and like, uh, it was also, like, just kind of this weird thing that, like, everyone knew that they were former GIs. And I'm like, how would they know that? Well, one of them's literally wearing a Vietnam vet hat. And another is wearing a vest that has U.S. Army stuff on it. It's not hard to figure out. I don't know. I'm just saying. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just saying. (laughs) There were a couple times where it was, like, how do you know that they're a former vet? Uh But at the same time, it's, like... When one of them's wearing a Vietnam veteran hat and another one is wearing like army stuff, yeah, it's pretty clear. There's a there's a pretty cool scene though. Also, um, so uh, they're at the hotel bar, um, and Vin comes in, and uh, they get uh, some drinks bought for them by, uh, I believe they were North Vietnamese sh- soldiers, former like, Viet Cong. Yeah, former Viet Cong soldiers, and uh, just like as a toast and as an olive branch, they bought drinks for them. Um, but, and uh, Paul, Paul was did super, not want to drink it. Yeah. Paul was super suspicious because like they were looking over at their table, like, um, for uh, in that scene, 10 minutes. And he was just like, man, why are these guys like looking over here? And eventually the drinks came and Vin was like, oh, that's, uh, my uncle or something. And he, yeah, he worked, he, uh, former Viet Cong. Yeah. Former Viet Cong. He's buying these drinks for you guys. And so they raise their glasses, and he reluctantly raises his glass. Now, most people will understand this is still an awkward situation. Yeah. Even if you don't have PTSD and aren't (laughs) hyper-racist, it would still be an awkward situation. Just, like, imagine fucking going to Germany, and then a former Nazi buys you a fucking shot. Like, it's it's tough. And Uh it's just that... They're trying to convey the understanding that the war is over. Yeah. We're not, and as the Viet Cong soldiers, they're like, we're not still mad at you. The war is done. What's done is done. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it in the past. And I've always been of the mindset that it's the countries that are at war, not the people. Exactly. So, like, I, I, it's, I never have any hard feelings against, um, I, like, I, I, it's so strange for me to see people have hard feelings between like two soldiers of opposite sides like still harboring like that kind of animosity even though it was like they were told to fight each other and they just basically just bring on that hate against each other but and sometimes i mean now i am not speaking as a former soldier none of us have been i don't believe mike has been in active combat no but i can kind of so it's it's hard i shot a gun once you (laughs) You gotta think of it in the sense that the military also needs to instill a type of like you need to see them as an enemy. Well, that's what I was gonna. That's that's, what that's the crummy you thing. To survive, like because if you see them as people and you kill them, that's gonna fuck well, up your. That's the, even in, even in like the culture within the military, mm-hmm. it helps push that idea that they are the enemy and they should be treated as such like and you're if when you're in in that mindset long enough like i'll make isis jokes all the time and (laughs) yeah they're like their group is horrible and things like that and i'm sure like their beliefs are horrible too but like i don't know for sure because i never actually talked to one but just based on what i've seen them do and things like that kind of like bends my opinion you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, and so it's, you're telling and you me gotta that think you of it like all Middle Easterns. No, because the military. But that's a, that's the thing too. Like you don't know, like that's another thing with ISIS is you don't know who the enemy is. That mm. was the crummy thing is. And that's the that, same thing in Vietnam. Yeah, too. you don't know who the anyone could be an enemy just disguised as a civilian, and that really puts a lot of stress on you. Yeah, because you don't know who to trust, but you have to trust them to get you around. Yeah, and so it's a lot of that. And if one betrays you, it's going to put a, like, like, if one betrays you, you have buddies that die because that one betrayed you. Yeah. And that instills a sense of, like, I can't trust any of these guys. Yeah. And that's kind of the mindset you got to think of when you now, like, it's over, but how over is it really? Mm. If you have, if you're still harboring feelings like that, how, how are they harboring their feelings towards you? And there's a lot of that back and forth. Like, you don't know what exactly they're thinking, but, like, on how you're feeling about the situation, it doesn't, it's very, a lot of unease. Yeah. And it also doesn't help that, and this is highlighted in the movie, too, that during the Vietnam War, it was not uncommon for, um, for whole groups of African-American soldiers to be used as bait or meat shields or mm-hmm. just... Send them in, they'll clear out the mines, is an attitude that was taken. So, they were taken advantage of to a larger extent than most soldiers were. Uh And that's highlighted with Paul's PTSD and xenophobia and whatnot, so... There's um, a cool scene um, that takes place uh, during a Vietnam flashback. Um, so Norman and the crew are going to ambush these Vietnamese soldiers. Um, and they're showing the subtitles for what the soldiers are saying. And they're basically just talking about how like, Hey, I got a girlfriend at home. It's like, Oh, really dude? And he's like, yeah, I can't wait to see her once we're done here. And then, uh, once the ambush starts, then Chadwick Boseman and all the blood start killing them and shooting them. So, which kind of shows, um, like how, Air, air quotes innocent uh both soldiers on both sides uh are because they're just being told to fight each other mm-hmm. um and also because they can't communicate with each other you also um you you've never get a chance to see them as a person that's on equal footing because they're just they're just a target for you to shoot at yeah and like it and not to say that it's like kind of justified but like you kind of need to defend yourself um in a situation like that it's not like you can just spring out because you knew that they weren't gonna fight you or anything um so an interesting thing about also uh norman's character is that what they were well first of all what starts with the in the movie is that they were tasked to recover this cia gold because they're paying the Lahu people uh, of Vietnam who's fighting against the Viet Cong uh, in gold because they wouldn't accept, like, paper currency. Yeah. So they fly over gold, but that gets shot down. Um, and the Viet Cong is trying to get it. Yeah, the Viet Cong is trying to get it. Um, so the Bloods come in to secure it, but once they do, and this is, like, the plot of the movie, is that Norman is like, we should steal this gold... Um, and use it to help our brothers <laughs> uh, back home um, and, like, uh, help those uh, 
disenfranchised uh, and voiceless African Americans um, because they need this gold. So we're going to bury it um, and then just come back later in the future. Um, and then during the Vietnam War, napalm strikes uh, ruined the landmarks. So they, they didn't in for the longest time. Yeah, and. and then... Uh, which also uh, gives extra motivation to them because that's where Norman died. Mm -hmm. And they've been wanting to secure his body for like the longest time. Eventually, a landslide um, uncovers the tail of the plane, and that's why they start vacationing there now. Quotes, vacationing. Yeah. I mean, like, I assume that's what they are telling their families and whatever. Yeah. But yeah. So they start out on their voyage. Um, Vin is taking them through the Vietnam rivers. Uh, and they're meeting a bunch of merchants, and, uh, David is Paul's son who knew about the trip because he was, like, reading Paul's emails or whatever. Yeah. And they, and he has, like, some weird throwaway joke about, like, you should remember your passwords, or you should not make your passwords so easy. And you think he's just showing up because he wants the gold, too? And then but, it's one, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah, but he's doing it to keep an eye on his dad. Who's been having fucking PTSD episodes and yeah. has not been acting like a person should. And uh, so this Paul's character is somewhat justified in how uh, what he did in Vietnam um, affected him. Because uh, like from what kind of their conversation has turned into is that they were talk about their lives and it's revealed through like their exposition that um he's kind of like an absentee father and he like hated him from day one because like uh paul's wife died uh during childbirth so he <laughs> i i think it's like uh painted that he hates uh david for being born <laughs> i don't think he hates david i just think he had a higher expectation for him mm -hmm. and expected him to be more I don't know, because he's like a, he's a teacher. Because he's, because he says, he's like, I made you believe I didn't love you, and that wasn't okay. Uh-huh. I don't remember that line. Because he does love his son. Yes. Technically. But, because uh, <laughs> there are, because so. The contract says I love you. One of the cons I have with this movie is how Paul treats his son, and how much he ping-pongs between loves, hates, his son and then love hates his friends yeah um and i don't know if like that was the point but um it, and like they're all mysteriously not trusting of each other and it's for like certain things and it's like one of those situations where it's like because the plot told me to get angry i'm gonna get angry so now we're at the uh them the five bloods uh and vin uh going down to uh the area to where the CIA plane used to be. Mm -hmm. um, they get dropped off um, at the edge of the forest, and Vin's like, you should, you know, it probably makes sense if you take me with you. Um, but Otis and uh, Paul are like, nah. You don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> um, I Actually, we glossed over about uh, their whole entire uh, secondary cast of Oh, the, the landmine activists. Okay, so no, well, uh, so... Well, that's literally what they do, is they're trying to get rid of all the landmines still active in Vietnam. So during uh, their trip towards the forest, uh, David uh, run in, runs into Hetty, 
Simon and Seppo, and they're part of this organization called LAM. And what they do is just uh, disarm mines and like locate mines and disarm mines. Or mark active landmine yeah. areas. And I think they only work in Vietnam or if they work in all war-torn areas. I think them specifically only work in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like love against mines and bombs or something. I don't that's, know. That's what LAM stands for. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Hetty and David hit it off and they become this weird, like, love interest. Yeah, so. that's what I don't get. <laughs> so, like, at one point, we're, I want to try to avoid as many spoilers with this as possible. Just because it's still a new movie. Uh-huh, okay. And it's not a garbage movie, so, um, but... Basically, later in the movie, they interact again, and something happens. And she's like, well, was it all bullshit? Do you not really have a thing for me? And he's like, well, I do. And it's like, when was it introduced that, like, <laughs> that was, like, a sign of trust they had with each other? Like, I think it was during their conversation. You that can't read were... between the lines, man. Okay, I could read between, between the lines, but that doesn't make sense if... There's reading between the lines, and then there's making lines appear that don't make sense why they're there. Yeah, because, like, they bonded over, like, their parents or something. Because Hetty uh, has, like, a bourgeoisie family, um, and they own a farm, and um, they're pretty well off. So well, she's using that money to finance them. And then her and her friends started making fun of him and, like, oh, the, those old Americans are stupid, and this is what you get for electing a reality TV star. And then that's where uh, David's, like... Well, on behalf of me and all other black Americans, we did not do it. We did not vote for him. So, and it's like, okay. And then his dad comes in going, make America great again. He's super drunk and whatever. No, but it's... And also, like, throughout the whole movie, they're trying to be super secretive and be mysterious about, like, mm -hmm. oh, we're only here for our dead friend. But then, like, in multiple situations, they're, like, yelling and talking very loudly about the gold! we're getting <laughs> literally one of them gets drunk at the bar and goes there's a whole pile of gold out there we're gonna we're gonna dig it up it was buried and we're getting it back and it's like why if you're trying to be secretive about it why are you screaming about it at every juncture there's also a scene uh where um otis is like basically the main character of this uh movie um and he's like kind of the most i don't know interesting uh, of the group he's the one he's that... the most consistent yeah so he's uh he's a doctor um he has a friend um who i assume met during the vietnam war tn and they who was his lover yes they are a lover uh and uh when uh, she's gonna organize a, a meeting with uh some sort of financier so that they could launder the gold yeah and, and get it get it out of the country and like uh, the person that she introduces them to is De Roche, uh, who is a French guy, and like all of the people that are involved in this entire chain of laundering all of this gold wants a percentage of it, and Paul is like, no, we can't keep like splitting up this gold more and more. Yeah. Um, and it gets out of hand later on in the movie, but uh, Paul uh, vehemently like fights against all of these new people that here is adding in. So he never trusts Vin. He never trusts Tien, um, and he sure as hell never trusted DeRoche because, like, uh, I hate this cliche of, like, hating French people. Um, <laughs> Americans hating French people for uh, 
what happened in World War II. It was like, where were you guys? Yeah, they specifically World... mentioned if it wasn't for us, you would all be dead. You would all be literally speaking Deutsch, eating Wiener Schnitzel. I mean, the French don't like us either. Okay, but it doesn't. I don't know. And like, as it's a such a tired. It's absolutely tired, and I wish we could all get along. But and like, uh, it's like, uh, the Roche is like just takes all of that and takes all of that blatant racism, and then like fires back with some sort of comeback. I don't even remember what it was, but I think he won or something. And Hetty is like kind of the foil to that because she's also French, um, and she's like uh, interested in David, and she's super nice. And everyone else in Lamb is super nice. They're just like trying to live their lives. Um, there's, there is this. Uh, it's not a funny scene, but it's funny to me because Otis meets Tien in the middle of the night, and then Tien reveals, "Hey, I have a daughter." And I was like, "Is it? Is it mine?" And out comes Michonne, who is, who is like, I don't know, in her twenties, and I'm like, if they conceived in like 71 she should be like 50 yeah 40 and she looks like that but then again i don't know having asian different genes people and black genes they probably look fucking like the epitome of the human race but anyways <laughs> very very obviously half black half vietnamese yeah i think um yeah so i didn't write it down she that's actually a vietnamese actress so yeah, yeah she's a black vietnamese actress um but anyways i had this dumb joke where she was like, her name's Michonne. And I was like, and your son's name Compris. <laughs> <laughs> but like... Oh, man. Anyways, that's stupid. Yeah, no. Blip, blip. Yeah, fire! <laughs> <laughs> no, this... This movie, I think... It, it's hard for me to say if it's good or not. Because <laughs> the plot itself isn't terrible. It's just not done very well. Mm -hmm. I think there could have been more focus on making the plot flow better and making the events make a little bit more sense in the character development. There is fucking weird dialogue, and it's very spikely dialogue where he's like, you know, just like... Addressing the, the camera and the audience. And he's hmm. like, and it's just like a Family Guy cutaway where it's like, you know, just like the great black American cut to great black American hero and a photo of the black American hero. Which happened quite a bit in, like, Black Klansmen, but it worked because it was, like, kind of a satirical comedy. And it was comedy. at the time, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, God, whatever. Whatever. But, um, it, and it, the reason why I say it's hard, because I have those complaints with it, but it definitely is a black empowerment movie. Mm -hmm. And I think with the conversation that's happening in the world now, it does have a place in talking about that. Yeah. And I think... Maybe I would have a different, um, maybe I would have a different opinion on this movie if it was made for me, but it wasn't made for me. It's not made for, like, fucking Gilbert White boys who've grown <laughs> up in Arizona. It's made for the black American who has dealt with these issues, who has dealt with these struggles, who could see either something themselves or something about their story in this movie yeah. that's told on a grander scale. Um, there's, a, a, a character, which I don't know if is real, um, Hanoi Hana, if you guys remember any of the scenes that were... Oh, there. is that the Vietnamese one that was playing the radio records host. for yeah. the... Yeah. so she, uh, so in one of the scenes, uh, she, uh, 
does a shout out to um, like a specific regiment in the uh, American army. Um, and that's, and I don't know if it, that's specifically Norman's regiment, um, but like they had the radio on and she was talking about how earlier today, uh, Dr. King was assassinated. What are you doing here when your countrymen, your brothers need you at home? So Hanoi Hanna is an actual person. I didn't doubt it. She was a Vietnamese radio personality during the Vietnam war. That would make English language broadcasts for North Vietnam directed at United States troops. Yeah. And, like, she played bangers. Played Marvin Gaye and stuff. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, and she talked about how, um, I don't know. You're the being used as meat shields. Yeah, and uh, I don't know the exact statistics she says, but she was like, um, black Americans comprise 16% of the U.S. population, but here in Vietnam you take, uh, like, what, 35% or something? Mm-hmm. Isn't that fucking weird, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like kind of just to kind of rile uh, and you up. She and was like, trying to get people to leave. Yeah, and like split uh, the country. But there is like a valid point in that. And like uh, her broadcasts were probably like one of my more favorite parts of the movie. And also any scene with Chadwick Boseman in it. That's why anytime it went back to Vietnam, I was like, good, stay here. And then when I go back to modern day, I'm like, no, take me back. <laughs> um... <laughs> But, yeah, so a, a, a little weird of tonal dissonance also is that whenever it goes to Vietnam, it turns into this action movie type thing uh, with scene composition. Okay, action. Uh, with okay, action, and also ac- uh, war movie music, like triumphant trumpets and horns and all of that, but it's not, like, as big and bombastic as, like, something, like, uh, Hans Zimmer would write or something, mm-hmm. or, like... I don't know <laughs> James Horn. <laughs> who are different compositions? <laughs> John Williams, the great oh. war composer, who used the same sounds for both movie soundtracks. He's renowned for. <laughs> he just changed the tone and the speed. Um, but yeah, it has kind of like this um, subdued, like kind of war uh, triumphant music whenever it is Chadwick Boseman's firing off his machine gun in yeah. Viet Cong, um, and it's. I don't know. The uh, it was pretty cool. Those scenes were pretty cool. But then it would turn back to the present day, and the friends are fighting with each other again. And I'm like, I want to go back. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, after like a lot of the plot stuff has been resolved and everything has been kind of neatly tucked away, mm-hmm. um, we get an epilogue. You, we get an epilogue where it talks about the current movement. And then it talks about MLK uh-huh. and shows footage of his speech and stuff. So it's it like this movie is very in your face about what mm-hmm. it wants to tell you. And it will tell you whether you like it or not. But I don't know. It's, it's definitely an interesting movie. Like I said, probably not made for me, which is probably and which isn't a bad thing. But I think the plot suffered because of how important spike lee thought the message was what i would have wanted is like this movie has a right to exist mm-hmm. um it has a right to say its message and it has a right to be in like a movie form i just wish it was written better <laughs> yeah i just uh like there is a place for it um and it's here it's just that i think if it was crafted in like such a way that moved people 
Because, like, a good movie will move you to um, feel certain things. And just telling someone to feel this way, the way this movie does, I don't think is the right way to go, even though it's a just cause. Yeah. Like, hey, support Black Lives Matter. Uh, do this, do that. And that's kind of like what this movie says. Whereas, like, I would prefer it if through the characters and writing that it would make me come to that conclusion and make me want to feel that way instead. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to say, like, I wish the movie made me want to stop racism. But it just <laughs> didn't. It just told me to. I mean, like, no. it hasn't changed no, I, my no. opinion. I, mm. I still don't like racism. <laughs> Go. Yo, Good job, Kevin. 9-11 was Ooh. bad. <laughs> Strong stance. <laughs> no, it's... I, I see exactly what you mean. What do you, what do you think, Mike? I know you've seen very little bits and pieces of it, but... Um, I think it's one I'll actually probably just see, because um, I'm sure it's probably it's worth a watch. I'll watch it. I'll let you guys know when I watch it. Uh... <laughs> I'll probably actually watch it tomorrow. I'm not doing anything tomorrow, so... Fair. Kevin, would you recommend this movie? I'd say watch Black Klansman instead. (laughs) I would say that too, honestly. I think Black Klansman was... better written. Yeah, because it was based on something. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean... I don't know. If you're going to watch this movie... Be ready for essentially a snuff film to be shown to you at the very beginning. Yeah. But also be ready to understand that the plot is not the main focus of this movie. I feel like it would have been done, from what it sounds like since I haven't seen it, it sounds like it would have been better done as a documentary. No, because they're... Because I've seen some really good documentaries about like the there Vietnam are. War, if you want to make just, like, actually, the, all the things if going you on make about a it. documentary about how uh, there are black soldiers disproportionate to like uh, soldiers of other race in Vietnam, then that's something you can make, and also how it kind of uh, you know what be a really relates good, to like really good documentary would be the um, the life of black soldiers throughout the years. Like, start with World War One, go mm. to World War II. So, like, mili- so military life of a yeah. black soldier? military life of a black soldier explaining these horrible... But basically saying, hey, you'll get... These good things will happen to you once you head home. But then when they got home, they didn't get these equal rights they were promised. And then they were treated like shit. And, like, they were treated like meat shields or fodder or whatever during all the wars. So... Mm. I mean, that would be a really interesting story itself. And I think if Spike Lee did something like that, that would work really well. With Maybe you should send an email. Let me just send an email to Spike Lee. Hey, yo, what's up, man? I don't know. You're, you don't need to ask how I got your email, but I have it. <laughs> just want to let you know, uh, I like the message of your movie, but you know it would be really good. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Um, if Spike Lee was also to make, like, just kind of a miniseries or, um, hell, a kid's cartoon detailing these great black heroes that he was sprinkling throughout this movie and a bunch of his yeah. other movies, um, then that works, too. It works much better when you're doing that and you're kind of, like, straightforward about it rather than just, like, so... odd... Uh, uncomfortably springing it into <laughs> these weird stories. Because it sounds like the stuff you guys are talking about that are, like about like events and things that he does in the movie sounds a lot better than what the actual plot's going on like yeah it is definitely so, yeah yeah so like if well, you would have ask have you guys heard of something called story core 
I <laughs> what is that a genre of music? No, 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 no. It's called Story Corpse or Story Chord, depending on mm-hmm. how you pronounce it. It is a it is a group okay. that their goal is to basically get the stories of America and its people. Mm-hmm. They go to different. They mostly hang out on the East Coast, just just because that's where they're based. Mm-hmm. But they talk to people. They want to get stories from the older generation and get basically preserve history of uh-huh. individuals and stuff. Um, if you look at their YouTube channel, they have animated, like, visual representation of some of the stories they've been told. Mm-hmm. There are some really powerful You know stories. what? I have seen some of those. There those are some, some real powerful ones. Really powerful stories about different people and their lives. And there's a couple of them that tell really good stories about racism and their introductions and dealings with it. There's one about this girl who, like, her and her pastor would, every Sunday drive down to the voter registration building and try to register and these old right, men yep. would basically abuse them or humiliate them and say no 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 until eventually they finally went you know what fine you can have it just so you can get your whatever out i'm not gonna say it mm. <laughs> yeah because they would shoot they would ask her them questions um like so they can vote jelly beans are in this right jar, and, and like, it, it's just stupid shit but like eventually they got it right and so they couldn't do anything they're like fine whatever just do it yeah so it's just those is kind of close to what you were talking about, like almost a cartoon, mm-hmm. but it's just animating these real stories told by real people and showing what has happened throughout, I mean, what we've come from and mm-hmm. what has happened. And I, I'm a big history buff guy. Like, mm-hmm. that's my thing. Yeah. And I have always said, if you do not study history and you do not understand at least the basics of where certain things come from, you are doomed to repeat it. And it's doomed to be even worse in the future. It's like... Right. Now, I love... There's a lot of things that we've made mistakes in history. Mm-hmm. And I really want to believe that we try to learn from them. Mm-hmm. But it's... It's rough. Like, at least... I don't know how your guys' classes were for history, but mine were pretty... Bare bones. Pretty bare bones. Where, like, I would ask questions about, like, to the teacher and, like, say, like, hey, like, (laughs) I want to know more about this. And, like, well, you can do that on your own time. And I'm like... Yeah. Granted, it's not their fault. They have a curriculum. I know. But it's, like, they could easily go so, like... Yeah, but you're going over, like, 60 years of history within eight, like one hour time frame five days a week right for a school year that's fucking tough mm-hmm. so no it is i have to hit surface level but i mean the worst thing you can do about history is ignore it mm-hmm. if you're presented with historical information you know what you can check it make sure it's accurate if yeah. it is accurate go huh that's not well, what can i do to prevent that so american history books are kind of one-sided hard like <laughs> So, like, you have to really, like, fact-check some of that stuff. I will say this, though. So you're telling me that the Americans didn't rescue everyone in World War II? <laughs> no, that, one, that, one, that one's definitely you're true. Me we got all this land from the Native Americans in a non-fair trade? <laughs> no, it's... Beans was a now, good trade. Now, I will say this. America, all textbooks, depending on what country you're in, are going to be biased. Yeah. But they are becoming slightly less bias as time goes on. <laughs> I say slightly. There is still bias there. There is still inaccuracies. Um, American textbooks are still the worst. I've talked to... Really? Yeah. I, like, I mean, you're the do, only one in school here because, like, we're out of school, so... But, well, I mean, no, like... No, like, I've talked to a few other buddies 
um, that told me, like, just kind of, like, their introduction to history from, like, a few other countries. I'm pretty sure North Korean textbooks are worse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, like, as far I'd as, like... they're the most accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know no, that but, South Koreans eat babies? Like, other than, like, I think Germany with the whole Nazi thing that you couldn't, like, even, like, talk about it for a good yeah. period and they didn't even chose exist. Whereas, I think Japan kind of, like... Oh, uh, they just don't talk about Yeah, they just, they don't, they don't, they don't even, like, it's not even, like, a, like... That's this. why I said art, they're getting slightly better, because, I mean, obviously, we kind of gloss over the atrocities Christopher Columbus did. Yeah, we that one's a about, big one. And we talk about what happened with Native Americans, but we don't go into too much detail about how right. terribly they were treated, but it's still... Yeah. mentions them at least college is definitely better with all the history oh, yeah. stuff it's definitely better but like yeah high school and stuff like that it was pretty i mean propaganda kind of to be I honest would, i would argue that the internet uh, especially now has been the best teacher for a lot of people the best and the worst <laughs> pretty fucking bad but um there's nothing more powerful than a person that's motivated to learn something that they're right. interested in mm-hmm. um and using the internet to kind of just become an expert on it because like no one cares about books that they're told to read, and no one cares about mm-hmm. concepts that they're told to learn in school. But uh, when you like start to get this taste and like this thirst for knowledge, um, you, you change the narrative. Yeah, you you like, like all right. Now I want to read all of these Artemis Fowl books because I'm interested in them. Or right, like, God, the Roman uh, Empire fucking sounds sweet because of all of these or creative God, assembly this games. podcast called Cinema Buns is so good. I want to oh, listen yeah, yeah. to all of it. I'm going to watch more movies. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. going to watch more shitty animated films. Right. No. no, that's actually a really good point, Kevin. And it's just... it. There are that, some people that would argue that in some cases you don't need school because you could just learn anything you want by yourself. As long as you have an idea of what are the important things that you should learn. The core concepts. Here's what I think is the biggest plus side to school Mm -hmm. is structure. Mm -hmm. That's my thing. You can Uh, learn anything you want on your own. It's going to be hard. mm -hmm. But what what I think school offers, granted it doesn't offer it well and definitely needs to change in certain respects, what it offers is a structure a structured way to help you learn these things that it do- it helps prevent you from getting too far ahead of yourself and from getting too far left behind and un- and like it gives you people to ask questions to when you get confused yeah right. which can be difficult if you're learning it by yourself mm-hmm. now I w- my buddy was telling me cuz he's a teacher and he's talks to other teachers and like he was saying like America is definitely behind as far as like how they structure a school. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, there needs to be a reform in how we just teach in general. Uh, that's so expensive. It, oh yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's, def- it's, it's, it's hard. Why can't it's... they just cut the music program so I could get a bigger teacher's lounge? <laughs> right. <laughs> who oh needs, no. Who needs a trumpet when you have high school football? <laughs> Am I right? Um, when I could no. get a big screen TV Uh-oh. in my office. That is like the one thing I like to see. I, I would I like no to see changed in my time. My well, yeah. let, let's, let's. But anyways, we're gonna that's need a, to kind of wrap yeah. this up. But let's. I I did want to mention this. The reason why we talk about history so much right now is not only because this talks about Vietnam War, but with the current um, climate climate and the state of America, is a lot of people are losing sight of what is, of what the movement wants to change. Mm-hmm. 
Now, if you look at with such a narrow scope within the last five years, yeah, you're going to see less... I mean, this is going to be relative, but you're going to see less racism than there was in the 70s. Mm. No shit. You're also going to see less fucking... I don't know, lead paint on houses than you would in the 60s. That doesn't mean it's not there, and that doesn't mean it's not important to talk about. What the movement is trying to say is that there has been a history, both documented and undocumented, of racism within law enforcement, and that it has gotten to the point where it has become acceptable for these things to happen, and people are not getting punished for it. And that's what this movie wants to highlight as well. And, like, this is the closest we've ever gotten to actual change happening. Because, like, police pro- uh, police protests have been going on for, like, years um, and decades. And, like... But they're usually such small scale or they don't do any... Or nothing like, happens. I mean, like, this is a more successful relative version of the L.A. riots. <laughs> Speaking of which, a part of it, at least, at least for me... Like, I think an, an extra part of it is thanks. I hate to say that this is bad. It's going to be bad to say, but kind of thanks to COVID, we have a lot more time to focus on these issues than everyone worried about their own, like, individual lives on work and, like, thing because everyone's so indoors now. Mm. They have more time to see these things and to think about these things and internalize that these is things. That's a good point. Like, I think that because, like, I talk to some people and they're like, They've all become philosophers. <laughs> yeah, like, they've all become, like, these people, like, what happened well, in the time you've been quarantined? I saw Yuri Yuri last week. Yeah. <laughs> well, something interesting about the COVID crisis is that since everyone's been locked in, everyone's been trying to look for hobbies. Yeah. I, I have thought it's been super interesting, and I'm actually really happy this has happened. A lot of people have been exploring artistic oh yeah like same for me like i've have this is the first time i ever had hobbies to be honest with you like actual (laughs) hobbies i've had hobbies and i do stuff and i mean like i don't kevin (laughs) kevin you do i've always been an arts and crafts guy yeah so and then i've never been but fuck all of y'all i've never been bored i everyone and oh oh, yeah i've never been bored either but i had anime especially is like jesus christ kevin i don't know what to do today (laughs) yeah like stop bothering me (laughs) I i know one of my big like quote-unquote artistic things is i like to write and mm-hmm. i don't i've tried to write a book i'm not gonna do that and i usually what what i'm doing now is i'm writing for my D campaign with you two in it mm-hmm. and then i'm writing screenplays because yeah i've always been into movies and mm-hmm. if i got my way i would make my own movie hey but fair enough it takes a lot of money and it takes a lot of people and i don't really have the time to take that much time off work to make that happen no you're right and like even for me like I 3D print little things now, and then I paint them, and I also make terrain now for the miniatures I do and yeah. stuff like that. Cause, and I'm never bored at this point now. Like, but my life hasn't changed too much. I, I don't. I haven't gone. I don't really go out in general. So like, my life hasn't really changed. But like, I now have hobbies, and yeah, I'm no. I, I was never bored even before I had <laughs> hobbies. But I had so anime. Let's. I want to wrap this up with a small message. We usually don't get this. Uh, it's not, I wouldn't say hop on issue, but definitely topical issues. I mean, generally, we just shoot the shit. And yeah. But so, like, this is this is just one of our rare occurrences where we take off our weighted clothing. <laughs> <laughs> Get serious. Um, I do want to say this, though. Use the time you currently have with COVID 
all this free time you have, all the time you're bored and don't know what to do, use this time to explore artistic mediums and just public events and use this time to educate yourself on what's around you and what you can do to change the world. Because everyone wants things to change. They will not change unless you take an effort to make it do so. Uh-huh. So even though other people are doing it, every additional person that helps, helps to change as well. So if you want things to change, make the effort to do so. Just like listening to this podcast, you know, just putting it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Recommending to some other people. You know what also the greatest makes a difference. change can start with? <laughs> Pressing play on this podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, but thank- seriously, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this was Cinema Buns. We'll be back next week with a lighter topic. Uh, I'm Ritter. I'm Mike. Kevin. Later.